Why be a Christian? Why be a Christian? There are different ways we can answer that question. We probably think that the most straightforward reason is because we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And certainly that's an essential part of what it means to be a Christian. You can't be a Christian unless you believe that. But that by itself isn't sufficient. Don't the demons also believe that? No, a Christian is more than one who simply believes that Jesus is the Son of God. A Christian is a disciple of Jesus. A Christian is someone who has chosen to follow Jesus. That's what a Christian is. But that's not the question I asked. I didn't ask, what is a Christian? I asked, why? Why be a Christian? And that's a different question. Why should anyone bother to become a disciple of Jesus Christ? What's in it for them? What's in it for them? I mean, I don't mean to sound selfish, but truly. What do we gain by following Jesus? We must believe that doing so benefits us in some way. Otherwise, we wouldn't wake up early on a Sunday morning to come here. We wouldn't change our lives to follow his teachings. Why bother doing all of this? What good comes from it. And you might say, well, because being a Christian makes my life better. But we have to be careful what we mean by better. Because there are those out there who believe that God will reward his followers with success in this world. That's the message of the so-called prosperity gospel that I'm sure you've heard of. And that's a heresy. That's a heresy because the very words of Christ himself contradict this. Christ says, Follow me and you will be persecuted. Christ says, take up your cross daily. He says to endure trials, to endure tribulation. This is what he promises his followers. Now, it's true that in a general sense, if you follow God's commands, you will, broadly speaking, have a more peaceful life than you would otherwise. But that's not to say you'll never suffer. That's not to say it won't be hard. Christ doesn't spare us from suffering. Rather, he gives meaning to our suffering by making it redemptive. So no, we don't become Christians because we think it will make our life in this world any easier. Maybe we're thinking too selfishly. Maybe it's not about what it does for us, but for other people. Maybe Christianity is just better for the world in general. Isn't it better overall for society if the majority of its people live good Christian lives? Isn't a society that's built around the commandments and the Beatitudes better for everyone? That's the conclusion of Tom Holland. I don't mean the guy who plays Spider-Man. The Tom Holland I'm talking about is a British writer and historian. And he's also an atheist. And his view of Christianity initially was shaped by the the popular cultural narrative. You guys know the story, right? The rise of Christianity ushered in an era of superstition and held civilization back until it shook off the shackles of faith during the Enlightenment. But when Tom Holland studied history, specifically the history of ancient cultures, he changed his mind about that. Because what he found was that pagan societies were rife with inequality 
they valued the rich and the powerful over the poor and the weak. If you were poor and weak, you meant nothing in pagan society. Women and children were more often than not considered disposable property. Those who were in power exercised their will through violence and oppression, and any ill fortune that came your way was seen as just punishment by the gods. Too bad for you. But he found Christianity to be the opposite of all of that. Even as a non-believer, as an atheist, he recognized that when Christianity came on the scene, it taught a faith that said every person is valued. It taught that the poor are blessed. They fed the hungry. They condemned violence and oppression. In Christianity, there is neither Jew nor Greek, woman or man, slave or free, for all are one in Christ. That's the teaching of the church, even if we fail to live up to it in practice. And it's a teaching that over the course of the past 2,000 years has changed the world. And Tom Holland, the historian, the atheist who does not believe in God, recognized that the world is better if people live Christian lives. So is that why we should be a Christian? To make the world a better place? To make the world a more equitable, a more loving, a more charitable place? Don't we need that now more than ever? In the face of racism and rioting and looting and violence and division and bigotry, all that you see when you turn on the news, don't we need that message of peace and unity and compassion that Christ has to offer? In the middle of this pandemic and economic recession, with so much uncertainty in the world, so many people unemployed and unable to feed their families, don't we need the hope that Christ has to offer? Absolutely. The world needs this. The world needs Jesus. And that's why every single one of us in the church has to follow Christ's command to evangelize all nations, to bring his good news to others. That's what a Christian does. But again, that's still not the question that I asked. I didn't ask, what should a Christian do? I asked, why be a Christian? And we don't become a Christian, brothers and sisters, to save the world. We don't become Christian to save the world because the world has one Savior, and it's not you, and it's not me. And it's not the Pope, and it's not the President, and it's not any CEO or any social media influencer. It's Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God who was sent by the Father into the world so that the world might be saved through him. We don't become Christian to save the world. We become Christian because we need saving. And this is how the world will be saved, not by some program or plan, not by capitalism or communism or socialism or any other ism, it will be saved by people like you and me recognizing our need for Christ and becoming his disciples. And if we actually do that, if we actually start to live out the message of the gospel and follow the commandments and embrace the Beatitudes, then something beautiful happens, something miraculous. We become better people. 
we begin to live in peace as St. Paul describes because the God of love and peace is with us and within us. We begin to look at one another not as rivals, not as others, but as brothers and sisters, members of the same body. We become better people when we give ourselves to Christ because we start to resemble more that God in whose image we are made. We become what we were always meant to be, and that's a living, breathing icon of love. Because God is love. We quote that verse from 1 John, and we say it too quickly, and its meaning fails to have impact in our lives. So I want to say it again. God is love. We need to each hear that and to understand that and make it the foremost reality of our lives, the center of our being. God is love. And we have to understand that correctly because it doesn't say God is loving, even though he is. And it doesn't say God is lovable, even though he is. It says God is love. God is love. What does that mean to be love. This is hard for us to understand because too many people, we think that love is a feeling, it's an emotion. We confuse love with affection. We say, oh, I I don't really have affection for that person, therefore I don't love them. Or if we have a more mature and correct understanding of love, we understand that love is actually something that we do. This is how God can command us to love. It means to desire the good of the other. And the most perfect love desires the good of the other so much that you desire to give your life for the other. This is why Jesus says there's no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. And so perfect love, the kind of love we find in God, involves that complete gift of self. But still, what does it mean to be love? Not to love, not to do love, but to be love. To be love, for that to make any kind of sense, would require three things. First, there'd have to be you know, one who loves. There has to be a, a person there as the principal agent of love, because love is an act of the will, and only persons have free will. So there has to be an origin. There'd have to be a, a person who is the one who loves. And then the second thing that would have to be there is you'd have to have an object of love, a beloved, a beloved one. And that one would also have to be a person because the only thing worthy to receive the free self-gift of a person is another person, equal in dignity. So you have to have the beloved. So we have the lover and we have the beloved. We have the giver and the receiver. And we need one thing more. We need the gift. We need the lover and the beloved and the love that they share. And that, my friends, is the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. That's what we mean when we say God is love. And then now what happens when the one who is love is also omnipotent 
When love is all-powerful, when love is capable of achieving anything that love desires, what happens? Love creates. Because it's the nature of love to give itself. And so God creates a world outside of himself to pour his love into. And he creates beings in that world who, like him, are persons. And who, like him, can love and can be loved to receive his love. He made us in order to love us. He made us in order to love us. And his love for us has nothing to do with how rich or poor we are, how righteous or unrighteous we are, and it certainly has nothing to do with something as insignificant as the color of our skin. He loves us because that's who he is. That's what he does. And as people made in his image, that's who we're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to do. And that's what Christ came to reveal to us. That's what the Holy Spirit empowers us to be and to become. And this, my brothers and sisters, is why we should be a Christian. This is why we should be Christian. So that love might grow to perfection among us. And as God is, so may we become.